This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio, a fresh perspective on how to live your best life. Combining biological sciences, mind-body medicine, nutrition, and exercise. This is the place to get the big picture on health and wellness. Live from the iHub Radio studios in Palm Springs, California, here's functional medicine certified health coach and award-winning wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here, live in the studios, Palm Springs, California. It's such a beautiful day here in Palm Springs today. We're so lucky to live, those of us that live here in this gorgeous little bowl, surrounded by these mountains and these picturesque views. I am working on practicing my gratitude of place. Uh, And this isn't what I wrote into the show for today, but I do want to talk about it. I've been here now for going on almost 20 years, 19 years, I've been here in the desert. And I grew up in a desert. I grew up in Arizona. And I am a biologist. And I love green. And I love forests. And I love rainforests are just my favorite place in the world to be. And so I've always had this draw, this pull to go live in a place that's green and rainy and wet. And, oh, gosh, it's still just even talking about it. And... For years, I've had this stigma of this place and living here and just seeing brown all the time and seeing desert and not finding the beauty in it. And there's such, you know, in in talking about health and wellness and happiness, the place where you live, if you're not happy with the place where you live, it really does affect your overall happiness heavily. And... And I, you know, I kept hearing that message and I decided, you know, since I'm not moving anytime soon, I might as well start recognizing the beauty in the place in which I live. And so this is the advice that I have. Wherever you live, instead of pointing out and seeing things that you don't like, change the, change the lens, put on the rose colored glasses and start looking at what's great about the area in which you live and start focusing on those because where your focus goes, your energy flows. Right. Right? Do you agree, Alexandra? I do. I do. And that's actually striking a chord of things that uh, I was doing this weekend, you know, changing how you look at things. Right. Uh, we We were trying to figure something out in the house and, and we've been, harping on it and harping on it and harping on it and then finally we just took a step back and say you know what maybe we're going at it the wrong way let's look at it mm, this way and I then like the that. answer yep. just showed up and we're looking at it <laughs> like <laughs> what how much time and how much energy yes. have we have we put into force feeding this into feeding you know yeah. Uh, you know, what do they say around ball into a square peg or the other way around? I'm not yeah, even yeah, sure, yeah. but it, it really felt like that. It's like we we both looked at it going, okay, that was silly. So good. But grateful yeah. that we came to an answer. Perspective, you know? yeah. yeah. Perspective is everything. Yeah. So Tate Talks is here every Sunday from noon to two Pacific time. You can call the station, join the conversation, 760-544-TALK, which is 8255. Follow us on Instagram, tatetalks.radio and you can follow me Jason Tate on Facebook and also LinkedIn and get updates pictures of the guests recipes which I'm going to be sharing a recipe this hour I have a great hour lined up for you I'm going to launch right into a powerful topic diabetes Uh, 
Mm. Um, diabetes is an epidemic. It is. Um, it's a growing epidemic and it's a global. pandemic, global pandemic, worse than coronavirus. And not to downplay anything that coronavirus is or what, what's happening with coronavirus, more people die every day from diabetes than will probably ever die from coronavirus because it's the seventh leading cause of death in just the United States. It's even higher uh, around the world. I have some numbers to share with you from the Centers for Disease Control, which is a United States-based organization. I know we're an international radio show, but um, I'll be sharing just the numbers here in the U.S. because we are the world leader in many things, including diabetes and obesity. And so we are um, showing the world how it's done <laughs> in a way. In current statistics, as of 2018, so this is um, the data, the census data and CDC data from 2018, 34.2 million people, or 10.5% of the U.S. population, has diabetes. That is very high. Isn't that, that high? Is That's crazy high. high. Is that right? insulin? This like, is insulin-dependent diet, and 95% of those 34 million, 95%, because only 5% are type 1 diabetics. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about, right now, I'll talk about the difference between type 1 diabetes, type 2. There's type 1.5 and type 3. But I'll, I'll spend, I'll highlight those two, but I'll mm -hmm. talk a lot more about type 2 diabetes, because that's the one that you control. It's the one that you give yourself. It's the one that you can reverse, um, in 2018, it estimated 1.5 million new cases, 2018, of diabetes was diagnosed in the U.S. among 18 years and older. It includes approximately 210,000 children and adolescents younger than age 20. That's alarming. Talking about a quarter of a million young adults, children, being diagnosed with diabetes within that year. In 1980, there were zero with type 2 diabetes. 1980, not that long wow. ago. Okay. Wow. Zero children and adolescents with type 2 diabetes. And at the time, it was called adult onset diabetes because I no remember. kids had it. Uh, I was in high school at the time. Nobody had diabetes. I didn't even know what it was. We never talked about it. Now that I teach health and nutrition and, you know, biology, we talk about it, of course, in class. I ask my classrooms, does anyone know someone with diabetes? Every hand goes up in the classroom. Hmm. Somebody they know, and in most cases, somebody at home. It's an epidemic. It is. And we don't, we're not talking enough about it in this country. And I have some reasons why I think that's the case. And it has to do with money, but I'm going to talk about it on the show because <laughs> funny thing, I was talking about diabetes. I, I'm covering it right now in a, um, in a unit with my seniors in my medical based nutrition therapy course. And we're going really deep into diabetes. And because I still had the notes on the board, my 10th graders came in and they started asking questions. And I said, oh, you know, it's this and this. And I started sharing some information on diabetes because my my 10th graders sophomores 
uh, are learning medical terminology. And so I started linking some of the medical terms that they're learning and prefixes like hyper and hypo and talking about hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia and neuro, um, um, neuropathologies and, and the different neuropathies, I'm sorry, um, peripheral neuropathy where you're losing sensation in the bottom of your feet and toes as a result or a consequence of diabetes and metabolic syndrome and all these different things. So I was sharing the medical terminology and, and my students in my 10th grade classes were going, oh my gosh, you have to talk about this on the radio show. <laughs> <laughs> so for any of my students listening uh, and your parents, I know you've been sharing the, uh, the show with your parents to listen to. Um, this is in response to my amazing students, my 10th graders. I love you guys so much. Uh, asking me to talk about diabetes on the show. So here we go. I'm talking about diabetes. Um, So yes, 1980, nobody, no adolescents with type 2. There was type 1, and it wasn't a huge part part of the population either, and still not 5% of diabetics are type 1, although that number is rising and has a lot to do with uh, health during pregnancy and then whether or not adults are having even type 2. They're passing on epigenetic gene regulation to the children in the womb. And there's a lot of new science on that, but that's another show. Uh, Consequences of diabetes increase the risk of heart disease, stroke, blindness, kidney failure, lower limb amputation, and many other conditions. In 2016, there was a total of 16 million emergency department visits reported as a direct result of diabetes. 16 million visits. That's a lot of money Mm -hmm. around this diabetes. Uh, And this was among uh, adults age 18 and older. Uh, In 2017, there was a reported almost 60,000 new cases of end-stage kidney disease with diabetes as the primary cause. And I mentioned earlier, diabetes is the seventh leading cause of death in the United States, and this was in 2017, based on the 85 or 84,000 death certificates listing diabetes as the underlying cause of death. As far as it being listed as underlying or contributing cause of death on death certificates in 2017, over 270,000 deaths in the United States in that year. Okay. I'm speechless. I don't know. And we're we're talking about coronavirus right (laughs) now. We need to be talking about this a lot more. Not that we shouldn't talk about coronavirus, but we need to talk about this a lot. This is something that we can prevent, reverse, manage, and deal with. And I'll talk about that on the show here. But one last statistic. In 2017, the cost of diagnosed diabetes in the United States was $327 billion in that year. And it was $188 billion in 2012. And in a five-year span, went from 188 to $327 billion. We can't afford this level of increase in this country for something that is preventable. Type 1 diabetics, the organ uh, that we're talking about here that is related to diabetes, the main organ is the pancreas. Pancreas, in addition to releasing digestive enzymes and helping you with your food, it also is actually not an organ, it's a gland. 
the pancreas, and it releases hormones, glucagon, insulin, somatostatin. <laughs> These are the main, the chief hormones that they release. So insulin is secreted when blood sugar levels rise to a certain level. So insulin is secreted to be able to shuttle that um, those sugars, glucose, from the blood into your cells, into the organs, into the muscle cells where they need to be stored as glycogen for energy, and then also into the liver where it can be stored there as stored energy for later as glycogen. But when you have excess glucose in the bloodstream, which is the case much of the time, insulin does a great thing because it doesn't want to waste this excess glucose. It will actually help it to store it into fat cells. So it'll shuttle the insulin, or I'm sorry, it will shuttle the glucose into fat cells um, as triglycerides uh, and eventually become triglycerides, fill up these fat cells called adipocytes. And when those fat cells are full, it'll start filling and creating new fat cells, adipogenesis and you'll start building new fat cells. By the way, fat cells don't go away. Once you start building them, they get to stay with you. And when you lose weight, they just shrink. They don't go away. And they're still alive. And they still affect hunger, they still affect diet, they still affect all these different things. So when I come back, I'm gonna be talking about these hormones and the role that they play, insulin, and leptin, which is a hormone released by your fat cells, telling your brain that you're full. Insulin does something very wicked to stop that signal. I'll talk about that. Stay with us here on Tate Talks. If you want to prevent or even reverse many of the chronic diseases that plague society today, you're in the right place. Now, here's Jason Tate. Jason Tate here, live in the studio, Palm Springs, California. Thank you for joining us. I'm talking about diabetes, a global pandemic, one of the greatest that we'll ever see uh, on this earth, um, possibly greater than things like flu and so on and so forth. Millions and millions and millions of people are dying from this disease of addiction. And that's what it is. I'm calling it that. It's a, de- it's a disease of addiction of a legalized drug. And what would that be? <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Alexandra. It's the sweet one. It's the sweet it's one. The sweet it's the sweet one. It's sugar. Uh, you know, and it, and it's funny. It's interesting. I It's not funny, but it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on a new book. And not that I've published my first book yet. I haven't done that. But my first book is Food Education, mm. an answer to the toughest test our youth will ever take. And it's about teaching nutrition to high school kids and that experience and what it's like and how powerful and, and moving it is. Mm-hmm. And just kind of how do you talk to a teenager about nutrition? You know, it's tough and I've had to decode it right over the years. And so I feel like I've done a good job at that. Um, And then the second book I'm working on is sugar and the fate of man. Hmm. 
And, you know, it doesn't even need a tagline after that because it really is a powerful, you know, statement in itself. Uh, and it talks about our addiction to this sugar. Sugar's a weapon. It really is. You know, and we are launching it on ourselves mm-hmm. out of greed mm-hmm. to make money. And so here we are. We're stuck in this thing. And it really does take a level of awareness to be able to overcome. And even that, even when you're aware, somebody like myself, I'm totally aware of the power and dangers of sugar. I can write a book about it. And yet I still fall victim to it at times. There is a mindfulness component to this that is so strong and so powerful. There's this evolutionary draw towards sweetness. So, yeah. Uh, Managing insulin. I talked about insulin as the hormone secreted by the gland called the pancreas, which allows us to store glucose into our muscle cells, our liver, our organs, our fat cells. It is the storage hormone allowing us to store short-term energy for a long-term purpose, that short-term energy being glucose. We receive glucose from sugar sources, processed foods, processed refined sugars, simple carbohydrates, and also from whole foods as well. When you eat an apple, you know, there's 15 grams of sugar in there. And there might be five grams of fiber, which helps to slow down the release of sugar so it's not a huge spike of sugar as you eat the apple. I always say, eat your fruits, don't drink your fruits, because when you drink a fruit, you're not getting any fiber. And so that rush of sugar, um, the body responds with a rush of insulin. And having insulin in your bloodstream turns off the fat-burning systems. So if you were burning fat before then, which your body is in this constant draw, it constantly needs energy. And when insulin levels are low, the body's going to go to the energy storage of fats in much of the time. So when you mean don't drink your fruits, you mean like don't. Don't drink juice. But not juice that you make. A- like any No, juice? that's vegetable juice. Oh, you only do vegetable, vegetable juices. Juice. Yeah. I mean, so I do, so I don't do I'm juicing, juicing very home. often. I don't do juicing that often. Okay. Um, And, you know, there are times, like when I'm sick, I'm doing a lot of green juicing and Mm -hmm. vegetable juicing uh, and then putting herbs and spices and things in there and cayenne pepper. It's not, I mean, I'm not sitting back getting a sugar high off of a vegetable juice, but uh, there can be a way. So you don't think we should do like the fruit juices at home? You shouldn't have a glass of orange juice with your breakfast and toast and that whole thing. That that whole idea of that, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was promoted as healthy, That's a huge rush of sugar that you don't need in the morning. And we're looking at that right now. I'm actually working with a team of doctors. We're taking a good hard look at the USDA federally funded, you know, school meal programs. And this past week we were crunching the numbers through a few days of collecting and analyzing the foods that are being served to kids. And they're getting over 50 grams of sugar first thing in the morning. Wow. 50 grams. (laughs) So peel the orange and eat it. Peel the orange, eat it. Okay. Yeah. Get the fiber, slow down the sugar rush. So that insulin, when you get a huge spike of insulin, then now it's just kind of latent and it's kind of hanging out in the body. Your fat cells are releasing leptin. And I mentioned this just before the break. Your fat cells are releasing leptin, which is a hormone that goes to the brain and says, "Uh, we're good. We're full. Like we got fat cells. They're full. It's all good. But insulin 
And this is from Dr. Robert Lustig's book, Fat Chance. Insulin, he calls the leptinator. It's the leptin antagonist. And it blocks the signal of leptin trying to tell you that you're full. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of snacking throughout the day on granola bars and crackers and things like that, these healthy snacks, you're getting a little rush of sugar, even from crackers, carbohydrates are sugar, and you're releasing insulin and you're blocking the message to get to your brain telling you that you're full. Mm. And so you're not burning fat cells, you're burning the stores of sugar and then you stay hungry all day long. It's kind of been the wrong advice for a long time now. And we're creating insulin resistance, which is what I'm gonna talk about as soon as we get back. And I have a recipe to share. A low glycemic recipe, by the way, that doesn't cause a huge rush of sugar. (laughs) Stay with us here on Tate Talks. From Palm Springs, California, iHub Radio presents inspirational conversation to help you on the path to vitality. Health and wellness conversation is front and center on Tate Talks with Jason Tate. Here's Jason. Here's Jason. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to Tate Talks. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this information. I'm sharing information right now about a global pandemic called diabetes, a very, very expensive disease attributed to the addiction to sugar, uh, carbohydrates and sugar in various forms. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. What are the good sugars? What are the bad sugars? What about alternative sugars? What about sweeteners? Isn't that a way to get around it? No. Okay. It really comes down to, again, our understanding and our knowledge of a couple of organs, a gland, the, you know, the liver, the stomach, the gland called the pancreas, uh, the release of insulin, dopamine and serotonin cortisol which comes from the adrenal glands that sit right on top of our kidneys cortisol is a stress hormone the more cortisol you have the more insulin you release the more insulin you have the more hungry you are the more insulin you have the more insulin resistant you become so there's this whole vicious cycle and I'm going to talk about that. But first I need to come back to a conversation that Alex and I were having about fruits and glycemic index. So I want to do some of Tate Talk's dictionary here. Mm-hmm. So glycemic index is the ability of a food source to raise the glycemic load or blood sugar levels, blood glucose levels within the body. And foods like uh, white bread, cotton candy, things that are just dissolved right away uh, will raise blood sugar levels super high. Drinking a soda, drinking sweet tea, any type of sweetened beverage with dissolved sugars in it, um, a single little can of Coke has 36 grams of sugar and there's no fiber to slow it down, um, will raise blood sugars. When you look at uh, lemonade, you know, if you order lemonade in a restaurant, it's so sweet. There's so much sugar. You might as well be drinking a Coke. You're thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing healthy. 
uh, and I'm getting lemonade. Or Alexandra was talking about juicing the oranges off our tree. Here's the thing. Sugar is and always was and always will be a recreational drug. (laughs) It is. It's a recreational drug. I agree. And should be treated accordingly um, because it is a dose dependent. So it depends on how much you get. Hepato liver toxin. Mm. It is toxic to the liver and it depends on how much you get. And it affects every body system. Now, you might be thinking, well, but don't we have to eat carbohydrates? Don't we have to eat sugar? Nope. <laughs> we, you know, and so I'll, I'll riff off of a TED talk. Um, and the woman's name is Sarah Halberg, H-A-L-L-B-E-R-G. And her TED talk is called Reversing Diabetes Type 2, Start by Ignoring the Guidelines. Okay. <laughs> and it's good. It's a really great talk. Um, and she's talking about the guidelines of the American Diabetes Association. Mm. And I'll share a quick story. I was, I was having um, coffee with my wife yesterday, and she said, what are you going to talk about on the show? And I said, well, my students want me to talk about diabetes. And I launched into kind of my whole thing. And she's like, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like, that's the whole show right there. <laughs> and she said, you know, it's funny she shared a story with me. She said, when I was in high school, this is her, not me. Uh, me actually I was too, but she said she was a skinny mini. Like she was really, really thin and wiry. And the advice that uh, I can't remember if it was a nutritionist or the school nurse or somebody gave to her, they gave her a diet to follow by a national organization so that she could gain weight. Hmm. It was the American diabetes association diet. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. It was that diet that they gave her. Like they gave her that and they said this, you'll gain weight if you eat this and you will like when you look at it. And so Sarah in her Ted talk says the recommendation is to eat 40 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per meal. Plus more at snacks for a diabetic. That's crazy. That's insane. Now the human body is made up of cells Uh, which are made up of atoms, but these cells are organized into tissues and these tissues are organized into glands and organs. These organs are organized into organ systems, which all cooperate and work together. And so you have a cellular mass. You're made of things. You are actually composed of matter. Mm -hmm. 99% of the matter of a human being is fat, lipids, and proteins. You know, take out the water. So you're 60% water. The dry weight, the dry weight of your body. So, uh, a 200, no, a 100 pound person or a 200 pound person, uh, is 120 pounds, right? Of, of water. No, that's not right. A 100 pound person is 60 pounds. You're 60% water. And then, so 40, 40 pounds is dry mass. Mm-hmm. That's fat and protein. Tiny, tiny, tiny sliver is a little bit of the carbohydrates which are involved, but we're talking less than a half a percent. Mm. You're not made up of carbohydrates. Carbohydrate is a fuel source. It's an energy source. And so it's not, so there are what we call essential nutrients. Nutrients that are essential to human nutrition, there are essential amino acids. There are nine amino acids that have to exist in your diet because your body doesn't make them in the quantity that you need 
to build proteins and carry out um, cellular and molecular function. So you need these nine. They're called essential amino acids. They must be supplied by the diet. There are essential fatty acids, essential fats and oils that you must supply by your diet. There are essential minerals, about 13, and there are essential vitamins, again, supplied by the diet. And of course, water. So lipids, proteins, minerals, vitamins, and water. That's it. That's all the essential nutrients you need. Carbohydrates are a nutrient. However, they are not essential to human nutrition. They are what I call conditionally essential. They're essential based upon the conditions of, say, if you're a high-performance athlete and you're using up glycogen, which is stored sugar in your muscles, and you want to replenish that glycogen, great. You know, glucose, carbohydrates, a great source of fuel. Pasta. It's a fuel source, okay? And when you're eating raw vegetables and fruits, you're getting carbohydrates, mm -hmm. but you're also getting minerals and vitamins, and, you know, depending on the food sources, some lipids as well. So you've got to think about that. So there's no essential carbohydrates. It's a fuel source. Great. So for the person who has an inactive life, there's no reason for them to be eating 60 to 70% of their of their calorie intake in carbohydrates. You're not building a body with carbohydrates. The only thing you're building with carbohydrates is fat cells. And that's what's happening. The body doesn't want to waste this fuel source, so it's storing it as fat. How does it do that? Well, with insulin. Insulin is the fat storage hormone. So the more insulin you have, the more your ability to make fat cells. And so with that happening, <clears throat> we talk about juicing versus uh, eating your eating your fruit. So mm. I'll always recommend eat the fruit. Don't juice the fruit. If you're so the question was, well, you make a juice, you make a green juice and you put in all these vegetables and some fruits as well. Yes, I do. But I only make that, I don't know, once every couple of weeks, maybe once a month. I don't do that every day. Okay. Um, but then again, if I did do it every week, how else or who else is going to get a pound of kale and half a pound of cilantro and parsley and mint and ginger, you know, and turmeric and all these other raw, beautiful vegetables and spices and carrots and celery and beets. I mean, I put a lot of these things in a smoothie where you're getting the whole food and you're not, you're also getting the fiber, but the juicing is a nutrient express super highway. Mm. To get these micronutrients, these minerals and vitamins directly into your cells, just boom, super highway, and you feel it. Yeah, you do. Almost instantly. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, but there is, there is a, a sugar rush component to even the vegetable juicing. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't as much of the fructose, which comes from fruits, but you throw an apple in there or two, yeah, you're going to get some sugar. So keep that in mind. Um, and so... Coming back to this, uh, understanding the insulin cycle, Dr. Jason Fung, in his book, The Diabetes Code, talks about insulin resistance. Now, this is really where type 2 diabetes is in its wheelhouse. Insulin resistance is whereby your cells in your body are resistant to the insulin that you are producing. So you eat a meal that has glucose and needs to be stored in the cells, your pancreas releases insulin to store it into the cells and your cells are not hearing the message. It's kind of like they're wearing earmuffs. Mm -hmm. I can hear you. I can hear you because 
they're insulin resistant. Now, how do you get insulin resistant? Well, Dr. Fung did a study. He did a constant drip of levels of insulin, three different levels for patients over the course of days. The patients that he gave the most insulin in a constant drip developed more insulin resistance. And he states this as a quote in his book. Insulin resistance comes from insulin. Having so much insulin released on a regular basis throughout the course of a day, day by day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you develop insulin resistance because you've released so much insulin in the body, way more than the body's ever designed to see and feel and experience because you're on a high carbohydrate diet. Mm. And that's that's where we're at right now. We're eating so many carbs in this country and can so much sugar. That? Yes, you can reverse it. You can, can you, we can make those insulin resistant cells. Yes. So this is called insulin sensitivity. Mm. So how do I decrease insulin resistance and increase insulin sensitivity? So it turns out <laughs> you do that by keeping your insulin levels low by getting onto a lower carbohydrate diet and uh, exercise. Exercise increases insulin sensitivity. The ability, it basically takes the earmuffs off of your cells so they can hear the message of insulin. Let me share a diet. Let me share, uh, not a diet, let me share a recipe. <laughs> this is from the Renew Food Plan, the IFM Renew Food Plan. This is a low glycemic food, so it has a low amount of sugar that's being released. You might not get any, depending on, um, depending on your gut microbiome, which is another talk another day. This is called Crispy Brussels Sprout Chips. You take two pounds of Brussels sprouts, washed and dried, two tablespoons of organic ghee, which is clarified butter, or unrefined organic coconut oil, melted, a quarter teaspoon of sea salt, quarter teaspoon of pepper, and optional some lemon zest. That's all the ingredients that goes into this. You preheat the oven to 300 degrees Fahrenheit, cut the bottom tip off of each Brussels sprout, trim any damaged outer leaves from the sprouts, and then separate all the remaining leaves. Put them in a large mixing bowl, mix everything together with the coconut oil, salt, pepper, lemon zest, divide the sprouts into two large baking trays and bake for eight to 10 minutes let cool and serve. And you can even put these in your salads. You can eat them as they are. So delicious. I'll have to post this recipe on, <laughs> on my <laughs> Facebook. So follow me, Jason Tate on Facebook, Instagram, tatetalks.radio. Stay with us. I'll be talking a little bit more about diabetes and then closing off the show with... <laughs> <laughs> with goal setting and behavior change and a thought to digest. Tate Talks continues on iHub Radio with iHub Radio wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate, live here in the studios, Palm Springs, California. Thanks for joining us. You can call us each week during the show, 760-544-TALK, which is 8255. Email the station studio at iHubRadio.com. Follow us on Instagram, tatetalks.radio, 
And you can follow me on Facebook, Jason Tate. I'll post recipes, pictures of my guests. Even if they're not in the studio, I get a picture of them <laughs> and throw them up there. Um, I, I just, I love this topic. I love living in the world of wellness. We're all on a journey towards our own health and wellness. And we dip and we dive and we fall back and we get up and pick ourselves up. And, and sometimes we have to reach a hand out yes. and, and let someone pull us up and, and that's okay. Yeah. That's really okay. And it's, you know, the, the best thing that I've learned through my, my many years is I know, I, I know what I don't know and I know what I do know. That's and, good. And, yeah. I, and I stay in my lane. Even when, when I was in my career, I never crossed over the aisle and I let the expert to do it. And, 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 it saves you time, it saves you money, and it saves you health. It's really important. Yeah, stay in your lane. And yeah. and there are people that are gifted in, in many different things, things that maybe you're not gifted in. Stay in your lane, stay with your gifts, offer what you're gifted mm-hmm. at to others. But when it comes to something you're not gifted at or not knowledgeable with, reach out. Yeah. And, and get that assistance. So I talk about functional medicine here on the show. I talk about health coaching. I am a health coach uh, and I work. I did that mainly to be able to teach health coaching principles to pre-med students, which I teach in the high school, uh, these elements and concepts of nutrition and mindfulness and awareness and inspiration and motivation, all these things that we talk about here on Tate Talks. Um, so I get to share that with my teenagers. I have about 225 students every year in the last 15 years, over 3,800 students directly in my classroom. And I can't go anywhere in this Coachella Valley now <laughs> or even <laughs> many places in Southern California without hearing a, hey, Mr. Tate, <laughs> across the lobby of a hotel room or a restaurant or, you know, it's, um, you know, just driving around. So... It's a it's a low level of celebrity, which is pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, just kind of wrapping up this conversation of diabetes, which which is a, a longer conversation, but I would like to end uh, this topic on this show with just saying that it is not a death diagnosis. It is a warning. It's your body saying, "Hey, uh, um, I'm not I'm not well." And I can get well, but I need you to, to dive in and understand what's going on here and do what's right for me, my body, yourself. And it really comes down to balancing sugar and it comes down to balancing um, and understanding insulin and glucose and knowing that cereal is not a healthy snack. Cereal is really not ever healthy, honestly, because you break it down. Mm-hmm. into pure sugar, you know, and the food industry has it figured out. They're in the business of selling food. And, and I'm going to go after Cheerios right now because they label themselves as a heart healthy food, yes. as a heart healthy cereal. They've got this red heart shaped bowl on the cover of their box. And yet in one cup, which is their serving of dry cereal without even milk, is 19 grams of carbohydrates. They do say one gram of sugar, but guess what? The food industry defines sugar as the, as the disaccharide of sucrose, which is glucose and fructose, those two monosaccharides bonded together. 
which they only have one gram of sugar in a cup, which is, they, they say is low sugar and they go on and talk about fiber and this and that, how it's a heart healthy food. There's very little fiber, only a couple grams of fiber. So you've got 17 grams of pure sugar, mm-hmm. pure glucose that you're getting into your bloodstream in one cup. And this is what they give to kids. And this is what they give snack. to kids. I see it all snack. the time on a plane. And yeah. And most people, you know, when you eat a bowl of cereal at home, you're going to eat more than a cup. And this is another thing in the food industry. When you get the high sugar cereals, all of their nutrition facts are usually based on three quarters of a cup or even half a cup in the really super high sugar cereals. And that's to make their numbers look not so bad. Mm. Because when you actually do analyze it. But what I'm getting to is look at the total carbohydrates and then subtract the fiber and look at that. Call that sugar. Don't go down and look at the sugar number because that's always going to be a little lower in most cases. Look at the total carbohydrates, subtract the fiber because you're not absorbing the fiber. That's the sugar. That's the amount of glucose and in some cases fructose you're getting in the body. So it turns out that Cheerios is a high sugar, hypo, I'm sorry, a hyperglycemic food. And it causes you to release a lot of insulin and make fat from that excess glucose in the bloodstream. Get knowledgeable, dive in, learn more about this because, and have the hope knowing that it's totally possible to reverse this. I've I've known people that can do it on their own. A friend of mine became a raw, or not raw, but mostly raw vegan chef, cured his own diabetes just by himself, uh, just by cooking, you know, fresh vegetables and he's he's actually he's gone to school and he's a great chef i'm gonna have him on the show uh he's an amazing good friend of mine chef anthony love you brother <laughs> <laughs> and and he's out there sharing the message and spreading the message as well letting people know that that there is hope and that you can reverse this it's a very expensive and costly um disease and it's a very expensive and costly um, situation that you can reverse that is preventable as well so i feel like we just really need to know more about this because it is incredibly important that we reverse this as a nation that we attack it as a nation and understand that this is bleeding us a lot of funds that could be used in other ways that are better and healthy for this country and for each other And so that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) A thought to digest. This one is a quote from my friend. Her Instagram is called F word project. And the F in this F word is forgiveness. So I'm promoting her. I'm promoting this F word project because forgiveness and gratitude, I believe are your Sherpas on the mountain of mental health guiding you towards positive mental health. Today's thought to digest, I believe forgiveness is the best form of love in any relationship. It takes a strong person to say they're sorry and an even stronger person to forgive. This is by Yolanda Hadid. Tate Talks is here every Sunday, noon to 2, rebroadcast from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight, Pacific Time. We're here because we believe everyone has the right to a healthy life, free from disease. Every week we're here to inspire, inform, and motivate, letting you know to make the rest of your life the best of your life. See you next week on Tate Talks.